Welcome back to Weekly EP. My name is Cody Swanson. For those new listeners out there, Weekly EP is a Berlin, Germany-based podcast, but we have on guest musicians from all over the world who write and record an album in one week. We listen and we talk about it. If you're a musician of any genre and you're interested in doing your own Weekly EP, get in touch at weeklyep at gmail.com or on Instagram. This is episode 22 featuring guest Joshua Wentz from Chicago, Illinois in the U.S. with his weekly EP, Nostrums. I think this may be the longest weekly EP episode so far, and I think that's okay because I had a really good time talking with Joshua about how he makes music, and I'm a little bit jealous of his music basement studio. You'll hear a little bit more about that later. But I think you'll really enjoy listening to Joshua's album and learning about all the acoustic and digital instruments that went into it. We also chat about tubular bells, xylopipes. We get a little into the politics of the time. And then, of course, I also bring up my imaginary Waffle House podcast again. Uh, As always, we'll do a short interview, listen to the new record, and then dive into the creative process. But first... Here's a taste of that record. And the blood is flowing fast Across the sidewalk spilling in the street You just hide behind your badge Striking out until the rest retreat your darkest light in a show of force that's so devastating yeah so first of all thanks so much for for doing it it was a pleasure to do it it was really fun awesome yeah yeah yeah. i mean i kind of got from your your album that you had fun doing it it seemed like a pretty uh, joyous kind of uh, uh, dive into music. So, but yeah, let's we can get get to that in a bit. We'll just start off with all of the uh, basic questions. Sure. Uh, so the first of those questions, of course, is what is your name? My name is Joshua Wentz. Okay. And do you perform under your name, or do you have uh, another moniker or anything like that? Typically, my solo work is under just my name. I have a couple other bands that I'm in and duos and things like that, and then. For this project, I also had a few collaborators on a couple tracks, and we have a little kind of shorthand for our collaborations called Always Forever Now. Okay, cool. That's a fun name. Yeah, I think it comes from the Passengers' original soundtracks, if I had to guess. I didn't come up with it. <laughs> <laughs> and where did you record this album? Sure. Broadly, Chicago, Illinois. And then my neighborhood in Chicago is Portage Park, which is kind of a classic Chicago bungalow neighborhood. The thing about the Chicago bungalow is it has a really nice basement. So I have a full basement studio. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's super great. I think there's, maybe it's the landing page on your website. Yes. It has, is that your studio, your basement studio? Yes. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) I worked up from, you know, being in a single bedroom many years ago to now having a full reign of the basement. So I feel good about that. That looks like a dream scenario right there. I mean, I miss 
just horrible unfinished basements where you can just put a drum kit next to the old washing machine that barely works in your rented apartment. But <laughs> that looks like an actual music space. <laughs> yeah, I'm very fortunate. I have lots and lots of instruments I've collected over the years. And then I have the drum kit that you see in that picture specifically is a friend of mine who moved, started having kids and needed a space. So it's on permanent loan or semi-permanent loan. He can, he can claim it at any time. That's the best. <laughs> I, I, I did that with a, a friend of mine in college and I, I just had a blast. Yeah, it's pretty great. I mean, I'm not really a drum player, but mm-hmm. it gives you a chance to practice and learn some, learn some things. And he can always come over whenever he wants and, and track drums for his projects too. So it's a good, it's a good setup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. He gets a little chance away from like family life to just kind of rock out and Exactly. And then like, doesn't have to worry about those two things crossing too much. That's kind of a good. <laughs> no babies um, here to wake up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, not, that, you know, not that they, they shouldn't cross, but yeah, if you want to play <laughs> drums with a baby, it's, it's, it's difficult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, what was the reason that you were compelled to do one of these? Well, you know, honestly, uh, it was listening to the podcast is what compelled me to do it the most. I've loved everything I've heard so far. actually heard about the podcast through... Anna Holmquist's podcast, which is Bad Songwriter podcast. Oh, cool. And she yeah. had mentioned yours. And then I immediately checked it out. And I think I binged everything that existed within a week and a half at that point because I just was so fascinated by it. Oh, that's awesome. She's going to be on it sometime either this month or early next month as well. And I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, me too. But yeah, I'm not really a stranger to the kind of deadline driven, kind of charrette style album. I don't know if you've ever heard of the RPM Challenge. Um, it sounds familiar, but what is it? Exactly? It was based out of Portsmouth, New Hampshire, I think. And it was something that people would write and record an entire album, 10 tracks or 30 minutes in the month of February. So okay, cool. I first did that in 2007 and I just loved it. You know, the, the, the pacing of things, the, the not going back and like reworking everything. And so mm-hmm. I did that for a couple of years and just really had fun with it. And it kind of really got me into the idea of deadline driven uh, writing. Well, then awesome. So this is perfect then. Yeah. Growing up, my friends and I in high school would do sometimes like the 48-hour film festivals. Yes, yeah. Which is, you know, essentially a very similar uh, concept. And at, at some point down the road on this, I, I would love to get like listener suggestions, I guess, you know? Sure, so, like, like some almost... additional guidelines, like make it about umbrellas or yeah, only yeah, use yeah. The three instruments or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Like, or like use only use instruments you don't know how to play or, you know, yeah. something like that. Where yeah, it's like, yeah. <laughs> and then obviously guests could choose to take on a challenge episode or something like that. Yeah, I think that's a cool idea. Yeah, for sure. I like the idea of listeners being able to not just comment and, you know, be like, oh, cool, but actually you know, have an input on music being made, even if they're not themselves musicians. I think that would yeah. be really cool. And I think as you're listening to, you really kind of think about some of those things, like listening to, say, Haley Palumbo's episode where it's just very loose ambient sort of things that kind of flit in and out you might mm-hmm. find yourself thinking like what would happen if that became something that was super structured how would you build a song out of something mm. that's not really a song it's so yeah, yeah maybe something like that yeah that'd be awesome maybe at some point down the line I'll get someone on here that like remixes a an uh, old episode that would be, be cool. Really, or you could do a really covers, all covers version. And so someone could do an album <laughs> of only covers of previous episodes. <laughs> oh, that's also a great idea. Okay, cool. I'll have to often uh, write those down when I'm going through an editing later. I'll have to start a collection of some fun ideas. That sounds cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. Okay. So the next question then is, I guess, I mean, in general, it seems like a lot of the songs on this are cohesive, but there's also a lot of different influences and stuff kind of going on. Uh, would you say that, that this is kind of in line with what you normally make in terms of the solo projects that you do, or is, was this kind of experimental or trying out? I'd say probably 80% down the line of what I typically do. I'm not really specific to a genre or style of music. I like to really kind of mix it up in general. I try to, when I put out a, like a full album, be cohesive and make it feel like it's meant to go together. But typically I don't worry about whether it's the right BPM to be drum and bass or whether it has the right structure <laughs> to be a certain type of thing. It's more about like playing with sounds and coming up with some cool styles that I really haven't done before. Yeah. Have you always kind of done that though with your solo project? Have you always kind of combined a bunch of different sounds and a bunch of different sort of genre elements? Yeah, I think I'm not ever really specifically looking to do anything when I start. I'm usually kind of throwing a lot of stuff against the wall. So a lot of times things will maybe not necessarily line up with each other when you first start saying like, oh, these are songs that want to be on an album. But then uh -huh. over the course of things, you start smoothing things out and, and blending stuff and, and you start to see where it wants to be. But I guess, you know, for me, my influences are really widely varied as well. My favorite I guess my favorite musician is Mike Oldfield, who a lot of people know from the Exorcist soundtrack, which is Tubular Bells. Oh, man. Yeah. He started Virgin uh, Records, right? Yep. He and Richard like Branson. He... It was the first album on Virgin Records. Yeah. I mean, and... Branson kind of like rode him for like a decade, basically, to create that empire. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> he's, you know, he's still going. He's he's put out an album maybe two years ago. He's got like oh, 26, cool. 27 albums. <laughs> and he likes to mix it up too. You know, he plays a ton and ton of instruments. Yeah, he played every, he played every instrument on tubular bells, didn't he? Yeah, that's right. Well, I think maybe with the exception, there might've been some horns or something that he didn't play, but yeah, he's, yeah. he's one of those guys that like, you know, and that album came out several years before I was born. So it's kind of one of those things. It's like, man, uh, when a teenager can do that yeah. so long ago, and it's still one of the best things I've ever heard. Like, where do you go from there? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so then the uh, the last question before we dive into the music is the silly question. Right. And so your silly question of the uh, episode is if you were given a, I guess like a whole floor, I guess that's usually how it works. If you were given the whole floor of a, like a fancy sky rise in like, you know, New York or something like that to design however you wanted, what would you do with the space? Hmm. Well, this is a good question for me because I went to school for architecture. So oh. <laughs> I probably have some thoughts about that. Okay, perfect. Uh, I mean, absolutely. I would want to have... Have you, have you seen the movie um, Inner Space? Where I think Dennis Quaid is shrunk down and put into Martin Short. Like, and he's so, inside of him. It's, <laughs> it's, I've definitely seen that, but I think that was one of those high school, late night. Sure. Like, you sleep over party movies. I, I honestly can't remember almost anything that happens. Well, there's one scene in the movie where they, the, the villain of the piece is in his uh, office and it is a completely barren, like almost like a parking garage level kind of space, completely painted white. And all it is is him and a desk in the corner. The desk is white. He's wearing like a white <laughs> suit. Everything's like very white and clean. 
So I would want to go with something like that, like very kind of brutalist, mm-hmm. just as empty as possible with maybe little pockets of things. And then some sort of indoor pool, if I could make that happen. <laughs> maybe in the center. <laughs> Let the structure be the structure. Just a big open space with like one desk and, and a pool somewhere. That's right. Middle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and people come in from the opposite end of where my desk is. People come in through the elevator. It's like really far to get to where I am. <laughs> yeah. And what would you have in the desk? <laughs> um, probably a snow globe. <laughs> just, just a single snow globe. That's right. Nothing in it. Just the just, snow. No, just like snow. no subject matter. No castle, nothing. Just... <laughs> I think anyone that visited you would be very unnerved. <laughs> well, hopefully that would mean they would visit less, so I could really have it just to myself. <laughs> so, before we listen to the music, would you like to introduce the 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 record yourself, or say a, a quick thing about it? Yeah, the EP is called Nostrums, and a nostrum is like a snake oil cure or mm. a solution to a problem that doesn't work, created by someone that isn't qualified to create one. So everything, <laughs> everything around the lyrics and the themes of the album kind of fit within the idea of Nostrums. Okay, so this is Nostrums by Joshua Wins with Always Forever Now.
What would you have what done? Would you have what done? How would you have shown you your A lot of damage, a lot of people, people, people.
What's the point worth making? Bending from tension that you feel inside. Lack of protection is a point of pride. But they're holding the line in the show of force, and you're sick of waiting. Signals and sirens, crying blocks ahead. begins to spread and the blood is flowing fast across the sidewalk spilling in the street you just hide behind your bench striking out until the rest retreat So devastated
And we are back. Woo. <laughs> so the first thing I wanted to say really quickly was that this album, like the tracks blend really well because I knew technically whereabout the songs changed. I could really appreciate the, the transitions. So I just wanted to say off the bat that those were really uh, fun. Excellent. I'm glad to hear it. What instruments did you use on this? Because there are a lot of things that I thought that I heard, for instance, like on the first track, and near the beginning, there are things that sound almost like uh, gamelan to me. Okay. But yeah, we can talk more specifically in detail when we go through the songs themselves. But what instruments are you using here? So I used a ton of instruments on this. I think ultimately the whole, for all six tracks, I, used, I had over 100 tracks in Logic that were, that for the whole thing. But I really like making my own samples. And I have a lot of like random kind of toy instruments and things like that. So a lot of some of the sounds you hear throughout the album are things like, I do have a thumb piano in there. Yes. I know. I don't know why that's become a thing. I just, (laughs) I don't even own a thumb piano. I need to get a thumb piano. It's a great sound. You can't deny it. It's real. It's amazing sound. (laughs) And then I have in the, in that beginning, I have this toy that I found in a thrift store called Xylo pipes. And (laughs) what it is, is basically lengths of metal tube that you put on this piece of foam that has divots in it and you play it like a xylophone. So they're kind of like wind chimes in, in tone, but they are these little metal pipes, and you hit them with like a, a wood mallet. So that's am, a kind of... I'm 100% certain that I played that as a small child. It seems like a very cool toy to have as a kid. I, I, I they're called z- really ever... xylopipes, is that what you said? Xylopipes, yeah. X-Y-L-O okay. pipes. Okay. So yeah, yes, of course. things like that. <laughs> I have some like recorders and ocarina toy accordion and then i am uh, primarily a keyboardist so i have a lot of keyboards in here such as i have my my main keyboard these days is the uh, vox continental 61 reissue that uh, korg did with vox that is Mm. part piano part electric piano and part organ it's amazing oh my god that sounds dangerous (laughs) oh yeah i i I earned it by playing some weddings so I, i felt like i justified the purchase right and then I have a really great software piano that I like called Piano Tech that I use for any kind of piano sounds. Drum-wise, I have a lot of VST drums in Logic because they have really good drum sounds in Logic. But then I also included things like the Volca drum from Korg. And, oh, cool. Yeah. And then the Korg Wave drum, which is an actual, it's a synth drum, but has an actual drum head. And depending on where you strike it, uh, it has different tones. You can kind of palm mute it. It's got like, it's, but it's all sample based. So it's a really fun one too. Nice. I, I just got into Volcas. They're really fun. Because of a, of a previous guest in the show. I think a couple of them actually had Volcas. And, and I was just like, ah, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> like yep. they're so dangerous because they they're, they're so cheap. The barrier. In, yeah, exactly. The barrier <laughs> for entry is super low on those things. You can collect them Pokemon style and yeah. uh, trade them if, off if you don't like one. I, I had the FM for a while and I just couldn't really get into it. So I got rid of that. But I have the beats, the keys, the yeah. drum and the sample. And I use them a lot. They're very fun. Yeah, I have the, the sample and I've been, I've been having a lot of fun, you know, sampling stuff like the, you know, like old 808 samples or, you know, yeah. actual acoustic drum kits and then syncing it with my Abcorg Minilog. There is, there's a bunch of Minilog in here. Yeah, there's okay. a bunch of Minilog on this yeah. album. And there's also the Yamaha Reface CP. Yamaha put these Reface series out a couple years ago that are like uh, ones like the organ, the YC, and then ones, I think, 
two of them are more synth based, but the CP is really a Rhodes and electric piano simulator, and it just mm. sounds great. Has a built-in de- analog delay that's amazing. So that's that's another one that's like dangerous. It's it's a <laughs> really good mini synth. Highly recommended. I feel like I'm on like a very very like slippery slope because you know <laughs> it's like I got the the mini log and then I'm having a lot of fun with that. And then I was like, oh, I got the the sample. And they like sync mm-hmm. together. I'm having a lot of fun with that. And I have like I have an OP one as well, so I can nice. I can get them all synced up and do a bunch of ridiculous stuff. And then of course on top of that, now I'm like the you know the modular the Volca modular looks pretty fun. You know like, <laughs> that does look fun. You're right. That you one know? looks pretty cool. And I have a friend. Yeah. I have a friend here in Berlin that keeps be like, nah, like don't do that. Just like go for like the the you know the Moog Mother Thirty Two. You know just like. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just do a couple steps up and just like go that. And I'm, I'm looking at that and I'm like, yeah, that looks fun. But like, I don't know. <laughs> Not what... more, than, more than a couple steps up, I think. Yeah, but it's like, <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do with that. That's what you get when you're already planning to spend three grand on the rest of your Euro rack, you know? Like, exactly, exactly. I just want to like, well, dip, like... My, dip my toe into like plugging a wire into something else and changing the sound. You know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> if you start down the road of really getting into modular stuff, it's very dangerous. I think you have to become a different type of musician than what you were when you started <laughs> <laughs> i interrupted your uh, instrument um, oh, i mean there's stuff. a there's a bunch of other ones but i think if i had to mention a couple other things there's a i did play a, a kala u bass which is like a ukulele bass that has these really fat round silicone strings that gives you an almost upright bass kind of vibe which is really nice i love that thing i'm not really a much of a guitar player so having a short bass like a ukulele type bass is really nice for me because then i can play it a little more accurately which track was that was that on that one is on show of force actually okay so it's kind of the undercurrent bass on that i did play some real drums since i have the drum kit here so those also show up in uh, show of force as well as my favorite shaker which i like to tell people about which is actually an air or a carbon filter for a humidifier it's just a really silty, smooth shaker sound, and I use that as much as I possibly can. Do you just kind of like rub the filter, or no? It's like a, it's almost like a cylinder that has the silt inside of it, so you can oh, shake it like a shaker. Okay, it's pretty great. I envisioned like a flat filter. You would oh, have yes, like just a... kind of like <laughs> <laughs> that would be interesting. Okay. That would be a different no, that makes, vibe. That makes more sense, <laughs> right? Okay. And then my collaborators, who are my friends, John Monteverdi and Chen Yuan. John played acoustic guitar, electric guitar, and bass on a couple things, specifically Hand to Eye and Bromide Storm, which are the two kind of instrumental tracks. And then Chen, he's really good at like finding some cool samples. So he did some drum samples. There's a couple like classical music samples that are like pitched down and reversed. Uh, there's one in CCTV. And then mm-hmm. one in hand to eye, which is kind of cool. He also played like the Tycho on one of those um pad, like the machine. What's that? Contact Native Instruments machine. Mm. It's like a pad controller for MIDI stuff. So he played that on a couple things too. So you had some time to bring some friends into the fray. Yeah, yeah. I tried to make sure I did as much as I possible could in like a day and a half, and then sent them some stuff to work on for a couple of days while I worked on like other things. Okay, well then, then this is good. That's other than my <laughs> comment on it, it's a fairly natural transition into asking what what the week looked like to you because I'm always really fascinated with that too. I definitely used as much time as I possibly could. I like to fill time. So I actually <laughs> I started on a Sunday and on Sunday I spent about 8 hours 
just getting sketches down. And I opened up a single session in Logic and the entire EP resides in that session. So I just kind of did some pieces, moved on to the next, did some pieces, moved on. And I just kept going. I kind of circled back around maybe a few times just to see what I was doing, if I liked what I was coming up with. But really, in in that first day, the structure was decided. And with the exception of making some songs shorter or longer, kind of tweaking some structure, they stayed in that position the entire time. So after that, on Monday, I also am one of the few people in the United States that is currently working in kind of normal hours (laughs) right now. So I have a job that basically takes me out of the off, um, out of the studio from like 7am to three or four in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. So I would typically load everything that I'd done up onto an mp3 on google drive put it on in the car and listen to it on the way to work and the way back from work so that when i got back home i could keep working again so that's that's a great idea actually yeah i I think someone else had mentioned kind of writing in the car and and Mm -hmm. maybe coming up with lyrics and stuff i found i found in the last couple projects that i've done that i've really come up with the best melodies and and stuff while in in the car just listening to instrumental tracks and then singing anything that you see out the window whether it's signs or <laughs> the names of cars or things you're thinking people doing weird stuff so it's been very nice to have that uh probably 20 to 30 minutes commute for me each way so i get a lot out of that but yeah the next day the mon- on monday i bounced as much as i could for three songs to my collaborators and said just hey do whatever like bring me back something i said bring me back something by friday so that I could have yeah. Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday just to do whatever I wanted. Of course, these two guys are also super prolific and eager to do things. So I had stuff back in my hands by Wednesday or Tuesday night, <laughs> even. even. <laughs> but yeah, I spent, I didn't think, I don't think I really recorded, like I did a lot of MIDI work in the first couple of days because I don't want to go back and like re-record something because I changed the tempo, stuff like right, that. Right, right, right. So on Tuesday, I started recording things in earnest, like parts that were not MIDI and then integrating the pieces from John and Jen. And then on Wednesday, kind of halfway through, I actually have a songwriting club that I go to virtually these days that Mm -hmm. meets every two weeks. And I brought a song to that as it was, which also pushed me to get lyrics written and get a vocal recorded, a scratch vocal so that I could get that and get some feedback from other people on what they thought about the song. Which, uh, um, which, which track was that? That was Show of Force. For me, that one was the one I wanted to make sure that I was kind of getting my point across a little bit, but also being somewhat conscious of the tone and the changes in the song, kind of like in the, the instrumental break and at the, in the middle and at the end. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure that those were kind of doing what I wanted them to do. So I got some good feedback from that club, made me kind of rethink a few things that either I took the advice or tried something and then went back to my old ways. But that was the first, Wednesday was the first time I kind of thought about lyrics. And then for the next three days, I would basically do more singing in the car, listening to things in the morning, like from like five to 6 a.m., bounce that, listen to it in the car, write some notes at work, listen to it on the way home, then record. And then the last two days were the only times I really spent mixing. You can't really do too much of that until you really have all the pieces locked in. Right, yeah. My goal was really Friday to be done with all the major things and have Saturday, the final day, to 
add in kind of the icing on the cake pieces, like little bits of recording here and there, things that I felt might be missing. And then like I, 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 I sampled a couple of vinyl records. I did that on Saturday, just kind of threw them in there and just kind of added a little bit of flavor. Were those the bits that were the interlude between uh, reverse out and CCTV starts? Yes, there's a couple pieces there and a couple pieces at the end. The main record that I sampled was actually a Smothers Brothers Aesop's Fables record. So I think that the, I think the story that those pieces came from were uh, from The Boy Who Cried Wolf. And then there was also a, a reading, a learning to read, I don't want to say speed reading, but like reading comprehension record that was basically a guy that says start and then there's like three minutes of silence. So I, so that shows up in the beginning of the CCTV transition too. But it sounds like it was not such a stressful week in, in that sense, even though you were working. Yeah, but. not stressful at all. And I like, I like being in my studio. It's nice because it's so big and comfortable. <laughs> and I'm very lucky that I also have a wife who has her own stuff going on and mm-hmm. who doesn't want me bothering her when she's working on her work. <laughs> so I can be <laughs> here as perfect, long as I want. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was a good time. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not an all nighter person. I don't like do all nighters. Mm-hmm. So I pretty much by, by 10 o'clock each night I was burned out and I was ready to just kind of step away from it and then get back to listening in the morning. Yeah. 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 I mean, I love, sometimes getting lost in in like late night kind of uh, creative sessions but i've also got really into <laughs> incredibly boring and lame but i've gotten really into waking up early <laughs> i love it and uh, I'm, a, I'm up i'm up early i'm up at five every day and no matter what even on the weekends and it's great no one's around you can do whatever you want yeah you just it's a nice quiet time you have so much time to like do nothing and then yep. by the time you're like finally ready to be productive and start getting your day done then it's still eight thirty or nine, and you're like, "Oh, exactly, we, yes, you get it." Wonderful. That is, that is the way to go. That is the way to go for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's just go through these songs. I want to talk to you a little, little bit more about each one. So, starting with number one, which is "Reverse Out," I'll just kind of tell you a couple of the quick notes that I wrote down. My notes are, are sometimes very silly when I read them back, but I just wrote down "fun bells" or "small gongs?" Question mark. Gamala, maybe. <laughs> uh, mainly that a lot of that syncopation rhythms going on at the beginning. I don't know if those were MIDI or like synth uh, rhythms or if those were thumb piano or... So those are the both the thumb piano and the xylopipes that then I took okay. into Logic, chopped up, and resampled. So I was playing them on the keyboard, but they were the actual samples from when I played them live. Nice. <laughs> and then uh, my next note is... In 47 seconds, there's a big change. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) That's when the vocals come in for the first time and then a synth bass or something kind of swells up suddenly. Yeah, that would probably be the mini log on that one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then my other main note from this is just that the vocals feel a bit 80s in a really cool way. Yeah. For some reason, there was something about what you do with the vocals that reminded me almost of like certain Pet Shop Boy songs. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. from uh, Please or It Couldn't Happen Here, like something from that era of vocals where it's like it almost feels like there's a, I don't know if it's like a chorus or some sort of doubling on it, but it's like slightly out of phase almost. But you got like, it. So, yeah. so yeah. So the other piece of equipment that I really didn't mention uh, before is I got this it's from TC Helicon. It's called Perform VE, the vocal effects processor that you can play 
I play with a lot actually. And for that track in particular, I did a straight double that kind of just puts you puts it. It's it's kind of nicer than the double that you get in Logic um, mm-hmm. for doing like stereo spread or just kind of some of the kind of things they do, sample delay or whatever. But it's a really nice smooth double hmm. that that I that just kind of really works really really well. So I sang. I usually don't. I usually kind of do raw vocals into the computer and then process them in the computer. But mm-hmm. for this album, I definitely used that perform ve a bit. Nice. You did a little bit like the studio vocal style, like running it through the effects first. I recorded all the vocals on the last day, so I kind of knew how I was going to sing them. I knew kind of what I was going for so mm-hmm. i felt more confident in doing a pre-effect i mean it's uh as my note says it's 80s in a really <laughs> cool way that's, the, that's yeah. the silly note that i have written down but yeah i mean i think it was a good it was a cool intro i think stylistically in, in the sense that it kind of had a number of the elements i guess that you kind of you see you'll see in the rest of the the record and I mean, even the chopped up xylotube <laughs> And uh, pipe. Pipe. <laughs> and uh, Thumb Piano sort of made a slight comeback at maybe near the end of uh, Bromide Storm. Yep. I guess just thematically, I'll, I'll mention this song was kind of about both traditional like snake oil m- medicines that people seem to hawk. Even these days, you see people saying like, hey, this bleach, drink it. It, it cures everything. And kind of it's a it's like that yeah. plus like the, the conspiracy theory people that are just really kind of like. I don't know. It seems like it's uh, cresting. The wave is cresting on like crazy conspiracy stuff online. And so I was really thinking about how on one hand, people are looking for some leader that's going to tell them that everything is going to do exactly what they say. And uh, on the other, the other side of that is the people that are telling their audience to do these things like drink this bleach or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. they're doing that, you know, they're happy to do it as long as they're getting paid to do it or they're getting the power they want but if they step outside of the bounds of that and try to get too far their audience will like abandon them so it's kind of kind of talking about that a little bit when you put it that way those people really have a hard life you know (laughs) it doesn't seem very fun (laughs) (laughs) i mean i guess that's why a lot of the people that uh, sell those snake oil treatments politically or physically use all the money they make off those people to go hide in rich enclaves and private islands exactly <laughs> uh, yeah all right that's awesome yeah i have to admit like i really liked the lyrics but for some reason they're escaping me normally i'm a lyric person but i was just really enjoying the instrumentation that i kind of missed some of the the lyrical content so yeah it was really nice yeah i'm 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 fairly opaque as a uh lyricist it's definitely something that this this aforementioned songwriting club is helping me a lot with in terms of lyric writing i just i tend to not necessarily spell things out all the time or make them the forefront of the songs as as my instrument list can attest i just like to jam a lot of stuff into a piece so (laughs) you can be forgiven for not knowing what (laughs) what the words are is there anything else you'd like to say about reverse app before we move on to the next one uh no i think that covers it okay (laughs) Uh, song two is a CCTV. And so I don't know. I've just started doing this last couple episodes and I, I feel really silly about it, but I'm just reading out my stupid notes and then kind of jumping off from there. But so the first note is Was this instrument at the beginning? Question mark. A synth flute of some kind? <laughs> um, 
it sounded like a like a woodwind, but it didn't sound like an organically like a woodwind. Or that's uh, I don't know if it was a processing. I don't even know if it was a woodwind. So the first one is a recorder. Okay. So is a is a <laughs> a real instrument, and then also Chen took that and did a pitch down and like kind of contorted it a bit. So underneath it, there's some processing that kind of makes it feel less than acoustic. Mm-hmm. And then the ocarina also is kind of is in there as well. Okay. So we got two kind of real instruments, but they have been heavily affected. Okay, cool. That's, uh, that's sort of what I was hoping was the case. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next note is really like the, I guess it's not technically a call and response, but what sort of feels like the, I don't know in music terms if this, what, what it would actually be, but it's not really a chorus, but it's sort of the, when the normal verse ends and it switches to these heavily panned left and right, this kind of almost chanting-esque the devil in your brain uh, yeah, mantra definitely. almost sort of like in like an old Disney cartoon you know when like the big <laughs> elephants dancing around and singing and then suddenly the little elephants fly in and do a little dance and be like he's going to get you yes he is and then disappearing <laughs> and it was almost like that kind of voice you know uh, how did that work that again is all done with that perform VE pedal uh, one of the one of the elements there is a double that also pitches and it can pitch up and down and you can also set it to like thirds or fifths or whatever but that was just in a straight octave mm-hmm. so yeah I, I, call and response is I, I suppose it's kind of like a it is more like what you're saying kind of a the untreated vocal is is sort of what's happening and then the affected vocal is maybe like Greek chorus kind of like Mm. The people outside of it that step that Maybe that's the more classical way of describing it instead of a Disney, <laughs> Disney cartoon. I, mean, I don't think I was thinking of it as a Greek chorus or anything. But yeah, it's it's definitely that that someone commenting, someone from outside commenting on the on the thing. So I think you're you're right on with that actually. Okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> and then this is such a nondescriptive note. It just says nice samples here as well. Because I had a little note for that on the transition between track one and two, that there were some nice samples and they were cool. This note just says, nice samples here as well. I don't know in what context now it's supposed to be, but... Well, there are some drum samples in there, and yeah, those, those, those couple Smothers Brothers samples are in the mix. That must have been it, yeah. <laughs> the Smothers Brothers. Smothers Brothers yeah. Everyone loves those guys. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else would you like to say about cctv because this one i mean again i I'm, i remember the lyrics being they're kind of very sinister in a lot of ways uh, yeah. and it, it's felt like sort of a commentary on what people want out of a police state or what they expect from that sort of fear of it and obviously the name is you know i think elicits a very specific kind of vibe yeah, I definitely was going for like a, a trip hop sort of feel. I really enjoy trip hop music and I I've maybe ventured into it once or twice, but it's definitely it's definitely more difficult uh to do something that's really for me ominous and and kind of darker, uh, edgier. I'm not really that that's not my normal cadence really. So I was kind of going for that and then yeah, with that the theme of of surveillance kind of came into play. And I was thinking of not just like your uh, the cameras that you see in on street lamps that are tracking your speed or 
and businesses that are, you know, protecting the merchandise, but also even now, you know, here we have a lot of people that have those doorbells that are also cameras oh, and yeah. cameras on their back garage that show what people are doing in the alleys like the nest and nest and ring and all that kind of stuff. Right. Right. So yeah. many people have these, um, now they have these stashes of clips or loops or archives of every sort of behavior that happens around them, like even dash cams and things like that. So my thought is really when you see that footage, no matter what's going on, everyone seems suspicious because there's usually there's either no sound or it's kind of black and white uh, or low fidelity because it has to capture a lot. Mm-hmm. And so it's possible someone's up to no good, but maybe someone's just walking down an alley at 2 a.m. But then, you know, how, how does that make you feel? What are you even supposed to do about that? When you see mm-hmm. that footage later, why do you have it? What, what did it do for you? You know, that's the kind right. of feeling like about that. So it's like a paranoid place you put yourself in just, by, for the act of having a camera. Hmm. That's definitely a very legitimate place that a lot of people are these days. I'm, I'm sure there are instances where those actually do help prevent crime or they help identify robbers and stuff like that, that, that break into people's homes during the day. But I feel like for the most part, they function only in two ways. And one is to record packaged delivery yeah. people throwing boxes <laughs> onto the porch. Mm-hmm. To, that you can put onto <laughs> a YouTube or Reddit, and then number two, they exist also just to be hacked by weird right. people. And I feel like these security cameras are basically just to me. In many ways, it seems like I, I just people got along for a really long time without them. Yeah, I mean, they certainly. I certainly can't discount the things when you know someone gets attacked, where they can help you find out who did it but i i do feel like like you're kind of saying the vast majority of these surveillance devices the intent is to make you feel safe but in actuality i think it's making you more paranoid it's making you think that everyone that comes near your house that activates your camera is doing something around you and you have to be aware right. of that so yeah. yeah so yeah that's what i was going for <laughs> cool yeah i mean it definitely came across yeah I, I, but yeah i just i think again like the lyrics were good i was just very i think into the uh, the sounds, especially that that pitch shifted or that octave down vocal. Yeah, uh, yeah, I was pretty, pretty happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so then moving on to song three, then Artemis. I feel like yeah, oh, I meant to like say this. <laughs> I meant to say this like as we were going. I'm just going to say it quickly now. I don't know if I'm going to uh, take the time to put it back in, but so uh, reverse out is obviously the first song, and then CCTV, which starts at three minutes and 57 seconds. I don't think anyone's actually going to go back and like (laughs) timestamp timestamp this, but anyway, (laughs) so (laughs) moving on to track three (laughs) Artemis, which starts at six minutes and 55 seconds in. So I'm just going to, again, first state that I'm going to do it and then actually read my notes. It's just (laughs) a stupid way to do it. So I have here that it said, okay, so this starts with some classical piano with like electric melodic, computer sounds so there's kind of like a um some really nice almost classical sounds with glitchy like bleepy bloopy i guess synth or electronic stuff going on and you have a lot of really good stereo separation in these songs and is this something that you kind of think of when you're recording is it about recording technique if you're doing any kind of analog or acoustic instruments or yeah typically i do kind of panning things during the mixing phase this track in particular is kind of, I kind of intended just to be like a little palette cleanser, like an interlude between larger pieces and it's completely improvised. So okay. I played the piano part, locked it in 
and then I added a couple, I added a little, the, the kind of bass organ sound and then the Yamaha PSR6, which is a very trashy kind of, it's probably the trashiest keyboard on this uh, album. In fact, I did find it in the trash many years ago. <laughs> All good keyboards come from the trash. No, you absolutely. Know. Absolutely. If you find a keyboard in the trash, you know it's gold. <laughs> <laughs> or it's completely, yeah, so, it's either gold or it's completely busted. It's one of the yes, two. Yes. I don't <laughs> tend to get the ones that look like they're broken and have missing keys and are just filthy. <laughs> uh, I'll leave those for someone of more discriminating tastes. Back, circling back around to the track, it, it is basically just a, it, just a quick improv. And I just kept everything in and then, you know, did a couple of panning things to clean it up at the end of it. I typically like to do, if I do a little interlude type thing like this on an album, I'll name it after one of uh, my pets. So Artemis is my cat. Ah. So it's named after her. I want to say like, what kind of cat? But then there's so many cat breeds that I don't know. Like what, what color is your cat? <laughs> <laughs> She's one of those black and white cats. Okay, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not quite a tuxedo cat, but, but yeah. So mostly black, a little bit of white. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now I have a, a, a rough mental image of Artemis. So good. <laughs> um, all right. Then so track number four, which is and to I, and that starts at seven minutes and 56 seconds. And I have here nice tight rhythms like the synth pad or it, well, it's not a pad. It's, it sounded to me almost like a a synth kick that was tuned kind of specifically to like a melodic pitch. Mm -hmm. um, this kind of like kind of uh, sounded like it was like a kind of pitched down uh, kick drum, like synth kick drum, which was uh, really cool. And then what my silly brain interpreted as a classical guitar, almost like classical flamenco style. Uh, my music terminology is, <laughs> for everyone out there is very uh, limited. You know that, but and then also later the that guitar part seems to be taken over by uh, like a trumpet or kind of a horn section, which I thought was kind of cool. <laughs> not bad, not uh, bad. I, I on that. That's pretty good. So yeah, the the bass kick is what Logic calls its heavy kick, but really it's like an eight oh eight eight oh eight style like bass uh, bass uh -huh. kick. So it really uh -huh. kind of has that tonality that you're talking about. Right, which is right, really right. great. I, I haven't used that much, but after doing this EP, I think I will use it some more because I really enjoyed the, it's a very satisfying round, uh, low end sound. So I had a couple pieces of this, just basically the chord progression and a drum pattern. And then the toy accordion, which kind of just is sprinkled in there just a little bit. And <laughs> I sent that to my collaborators in Always Forever Now. And then John is the one who recorded the acoustic guitar. And he did a great job. I, I would never have gone that direction because not only can I not play the guitar very well, but it just uh, wouldn't have been where I was thinking this track would go. So he did that. He also recorded a bass guitar. And the what you were saying was the horn sound is actually the it's a diva synth. It's a it's a plug-in that he uses, which is kind of has that kind of brassy okay. synth vibe. Okay, it's like a it's a VST or yeah yeah. And then Chen added in some more drums, some better drums than what I had originally had in the piece. And also this reversed sample of Benjamin Britten's Cuckoo, which is kind of the thing that bookends the piece. So you have this kind of uh, reversed choral little snippet at the front and back of the, uh, the song. And then in the middle, actually, there's kind of a vocoder style vocal mixed with the Log Logic's Alchemy uh, synth vocal, 
which is kind of a choir sound. And that was, again, using this uh, amazing pedal, this Perform VE. One of the cool things about this pedal is you can plug it in to MIDI and it will harmonize the notes you're playing with your vocal. So oh, wow. it's really great. In this sense, I, in this case, I just used it as just the, just the MIDI vocal. I didn't have, an, have a lead vocal on top of that. But it's really nice when you're playing either live or in a recording and you can just kind of play a chord on the piano and, it, and your vocal splits into all of those notes. It's awesome. Oh, wow. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've never used Logic, so I'm really enjoying learning or hear, just hearing about you know, the periphery of options and things that you can do with which, it. Which DAW do you use? I use Adobe Audition. Okay, yeah. Um, I, I've been using it since it was called uh, Cool Edit Pro. I used Cool Edit Pro way back in the day uh-huh. before it was, and then it was bought by Trillium, I think, or it was owned by Trillium and then it became owned by Adobe. Yeah. But yeah, Cool Edit Pro was probably my first one I ever used. I had a friend who was a musician and he gave me a cracked copy of it uh-huh. way back in the day. <laughs> it might have been, yeah, it might have been <laughs> one of the first uh, pieces of software ever, uh, I ever cracked. And then I continued to do that with a, a bunch of Adobe software for years and years <laughs> after that. But and now I now have, uh, if Adobe is listening, I have been a faithful paying customer for many years now with Creative Cloud. So. Uh, but, they don't uh, quite understand. You do turn legit at some point. Most yeah. people do at some point, you know, buy, buy it once they get good at it. <laughs> That's part of the main thing is just picking one and sticking with it. I know a lot of people, I, I don't know if I've heard anyone say they use, maybe someone has mentioned Ableton here mm-hmm. on your podcast, but I've never ventured into that because it just seems so much different than what I'm used to. And at this mm-hmm. point, I'm like, you know what? I don't need to learn a new thing. I just need to learn the thing I own very yeah. well. Yeah, Ableton scares me a little bit. Maybe one day I'll <laughs> I'll look back on this and laugh because I will have finally figured it out. But I spent hours trying to get my MIDI log and OP1 to share a like MIDI sync track through USB, mm-hmm. and it was just uh, it was hell. <laughs> um, <laughs> like it was just it was just uh, it was just excruciating. But I also didn't yeah. know anything about the, the interface and, and all of Ableton looks confusing to me. But I know that at some point, if I ever figured it out, I'm sure there's a lot of really good stuff in there. But It's always darkest before the dawn. You just have to, you just have to submit to, to what you're doing and just be okay with being frustrated until you finally, it clicks. And then you're like, yeah, my world has changed. I love this now. I will say my first synth keyboard I got was a microcorg back when it first came out. And it was absolutely impenetrable to me until about i don't know five or six years ago when i actually wanted to wanted to learn more about it i thought of this uh in your last episode with uh, miss noid mm, yeah. where she was just saying like she's not really doesn't really do it so she just like found a sound she liked and then got into it you know just didn't spend too much time worrying about how to make the sound she just found the sound that she could create and then and then made a song with it and i feel like i was doing that for so long with that keyboard because the interface is very, very roundabout. There's no screen, mm-hmm. so you're just kind of twisting these dials and putting them in the right place, and then adjusting other knobs until you get what you want. And then I was just, I was just never doing that. And then finally, I was like, I still have this thing. I use it on and off. I'm just going to start watching some YouTube videos on how to do stuff, and it, nice. it made the difference. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> I complain, but it's an it's an invaluable resource. When I got the Volca sample, it's just you know. Yeah, I just sat there and just watched a bunch of videos, and I was like, "Oh, oh, you can do this. Okay. Oh, oh, that's fun. All right, and now I can use it to make music." So, <sighs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. 
yeah, just a classic, like complaining about all the awesome uh, information exactly. we have. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. You're right. <laughs> um, so let's move on to song five then. The transitions sure. on this are just so bad. Um, that's my fault. <laughs> so yeah, song five is Show of Force, and that starts at 11 minutes and 15 seconds. And I'm just going to quickly read through these various notes. So I have real smooth transition. A sudden but smooth intro to the piano. So I guess that just means that the previous track ended, but also subtly kept going, like the edges of like the main mm-hmm. part of the song stopped, and then the other parts just kind of slowly kept going and blended into the song to show force. The piano's back. The vocals are back. <laughs> My notes are so that's ridiculous. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's right. Um, and then this one has, at times, almost like an indie rock, early 2000s, like Death Cab, transatlanticism-ish vibe to it which I liked. I don't know if you might hate Death Cab. And so. Oh, no, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't think there's... I can't think of someone you could compare me to that I would be offended by. I think, uh, you okay. know... That's great. That's a good superpower. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I had mentioned in, in a songwriting club, I had mentioned to someone that their song reminded me, not in sound, but something about it reminded me of ZZ Top. <laughs> and they got so mad. <laughs> <laughs> I bet I bet there can be a lot of uh, really thin w- wires that people can walk in that class. <laughs> in terms of uh, feelings, I guess is what I sure. mean. You know, sure. Like, oh, that was a very interesting song. But yeah, the, the, this track really kind of made me think, at least tonality or sort of vocally, a lot of of kind of like a Ben Gibbard esque kind of indie rock thing going mm-hmm. on which was which was nice and then of course i guess around the two-thirds mark or something like that there's the i don't know if it's a, just a change or a bridge that like really kind of flips the song for a little bit uh yeah. before it goes back then in the end to like the kind of returns back to the original sound and then kind of builds up crazy at the end in a really fun way so those are my notes so i'm gonna let you yeah no good notes I think what you're getting uh, in the Ben Gibbard uh, vibe is, well, I kind of wanted the vocals to feel very plaintive and empathetic. I, I wanted it to feel like someone that meant what they were saying, like in, in a in a kind of sad, pleading way almost. And I feel like that is that early two thousand like weaker thens death oh, yeah. cab mm-hmm. type of stuff is very much in that not really emo but very emotional rock. <laughs> it's about you know, police brutality. It's about what's going on. And I, what I see, especially in, you know, what, what happened in Portland recently, mm. where you see people that are just basically saying, we want things to be different. We want change. We're standing here asking for it. And then the other side of that is the police. And they're saying, we want to destroy you. We want to rip you down, right. we want to push you to the ground. And, and all the people are asking for is not to be pushed to the ground. It seems simple when you describe it that way. Like it's, it seems like yeah. it shouldn't be such a clusterfuck. Yeah, it's a complicated ish- issue for sure. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff specifically in, I mean, American like the the history of how police came to be in this country. That just, yeah, there's there's some there's some deep seated stuff in there that really, when it comes down to it, is they're saying they're there to protect you, but really they're there to say they're better than you <laughs> and they're going to share and they're going to prove it to you yeah, yeah and it's it's crazy and so so yeah so th- so 
this, the kind of change up in the middle and then the end were really kind of the places where it 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 goes from being this pleading thing to more of a angry or demanding sort of thing. Um, in the in the tail end of the song, I actually included audio from a Black Lives Matter march that I was in a couple a couple months ago now um, in my neighborhood that I just kind of I kind of uh, delay put an echo on it to kind of garble it and make it sound kind of more of just a, a texture but I wanted to include something that was real in there because I think one of the things I always fight with in terms of writing music is being genuine and like having something authentic being said and I was like well this is authentic because it actually came from the real world and I wanted to I wanted to put that in there too mm. nice yeah my, my friend Jessica who I work with on music Jessica Risker she is also a therapist, and so she started this um, Instagram show that's also a podcast called Music Therapy, where she interviews musicians and people in, around the music industry about how they're doing, what's going on, you know, and it's really interesting to hear people's opinions about, you know, where they are musically now, uh, because so many people are like, I was about to go on tour to promote a new album, or I can't even think about anything I can't even write, or some people are like, I'm at home now, I haven't had a job in, in months, and <laughs> yeah. I've written so many things, and I'm just kind of... I love it. I, you know. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, it just you know, good stuff's coming out. Right. Either people are writing a lot now, or all that anxiety about not being able to do anything will at some point burst open, and something will come out from that. You know, just all the different process. Totally. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I just uh, We're almost I, there. I, I keep derailing it, so it's <laughs> completely my fault. But uh, yeah, I'm having a great time. But I'm uh, enjoying it. <laughs> I was uh, interviewing someone, I think, last night or two nights ago, and uh, at some at some point uh, there was just a huge derailment again. I think caused by me that all about Waffle House, and uh, oh, just went yeah. on, like a long, just a long <laughs> conversation about Waffle House. And I decided if there was a Waffle House podcast, there was just mm -hmm. people going to different Waffle Houses and like describing what they looked like and like what kind of road they were on, almost in like a novelistic way and then interviewing customers or employees at the waffle house that i would i would devour that podcast hell yeah <laughs> like surreal kind of <laughs> four in the morning oh yeah yeah yeah. like four in the morning yeah. just as your shift going you know so, well, i've been here been here since 9 a.m someone can't some someone That's called a... in sick so here i am at 4 a.m i'll be right back you know gotta go refill the coffee you know it's like just like stuff like that you know right. just like traveling throughout the midwest and visiting waffle houses i'm really into this imaginary podcast I'm into it. Doesn't exist. <laughs> it's a good idea um anyway yeah. so, now that i've gotten derailed by talking about another derailment now um the final track here number five or no no number six i just wrote five twice <laughs> my notes so uh, yeah the final track <laughs> is number six which is Bromide Storm, which starts at 16 minutes and 42 seconds. And uh, so I'm just going to just barrel through these notes here. One is just, it just says, then straight in. I guess from Show of Force, where it, there's a wild buildup at the end, and then it just goes straight in to Bromide Storm with a, yes. what sounded like a heavily filtered synth bit, or like a low pass or some sort of, like it was like a really crushed signal. That was really nice. And then I really liked the rolling bass, like a kind of almost like a subwoofer kind of kick. I don't know if that was the Volca or whatever that was. Kind of like. And then there's obviously, as I was saying earlier, there's some of those, um, I say wrong, xylo, xylo tubes. 
You're almost there. <laughs> Damn it. I keep saying xylotubes. Pipes. <laughs> xylotubes, uh, xylopipes, and uh, thumb piano, as well as I think some reverse samples as well. And then, <laughs> this is the worst note. It just says, okay, well, a nice ending bit for sure. I know that I meant that in like a kind of like, all right, kind of way, but like, God, it just doesn't say anything. This is the, that's the worst note. Yeah. Anyway. So the transition between the two, between at the end of show force, I actually start like upping the tempo and having everything kind of smashed together. The kind of distorted or crunchy thing you're hearing is actually an electric guitar that I then put on. Logic has this tremolo function, so it'll pan tremolo back and forth between mm. the stereo uh, channels, but you can set them to be the same, and it basically just creates a stutter. So you can just really chop, you can basically chop a signal into whatever kind of eighths or sixteenths or whatever you want. So I was kind of playing the guitar, but also it was just hard cuts at every sixteenth. So mm. you're kind of getting this kind of vibe in there. So that's that piece. And then, yeah, it goes straight into an electric guitar bit that John played. And then he also did this kind of, well, there's a little guitar solo when the thumb piano and the xylopipes come back in that I reversed because I thought it was kind Mm -hmm. of a sweet little bit there. And then the other kind of items that are in this one, there's a bunch of mini log, kind of the the synth Mm -hmm. stabs are are mini log. I kind of envisioned this one as, so we just kind of came out of this song that has you know meaning and is kind of heavy in terms of its its subject matter and i was thinking again about like fake cures and like bromides are are these kind of like things that people like the olden days are like yeah this is a a medicinal medicinal thing whatever Mm -hmm. and it's just like nothing that really does anything but also bromide bromine is a severely toxic chemical or element (laughs) and so it's very often that people were poisoned by things that were bromide (laughs) So it's kind of this play on like, this is the end of it. This is the medicinal kind of end of this EP. I mean, it does sound like what's going on in a certain way. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, we just listen to some songs that are about problems and there's these illusions that the problems that, that we contained within this can be solved, but they really can't. I mean, not, not in any way that anyone's mm-hmm. proposing at the moment. So as an instrumental, it's it's saying all that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and I just wanted to have a nice kind of fun, like uh, I always like those kind of like dance outro. Like it's just like at the ending of the musical for Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, there's like a mm-hmm. dance version of the song. So it's, it's just ridiculous. So it's kind of like this finale that's amped up, blood pumping, and then and then we're, yeah, we're done. No, as I said, here. okay, well, a nice ending <laughs> bit for sure. That's <laughs> for sure i really need to work on my my note writing skills but i feel like 75 percent of them are pretty on point the other 25 just don't have any context and don't really seem to explain anything but okay so we've come to the, to the end of the record and this is the point now where i ask how you feel about it either the record itself or the process of making it uh i feel really good about it wonderful i love the process yeah i, I had a great time I, I'm really happy that I accomplished what I did in the week. And because I'm not a really a stranger to these kind of exercises, I really wanted to make sure I upped the game in terms of the final mix. I really wanted that to be something I spent mm-hmm. time on. I think a lot of times you that's what sacri- that's what's sacrificed in a in a short time frame is like, well, the songs are there, but maybe they're not really 
polish. And I wanted to make sure I had that time to polish. The stereo separation and the mixing in general is uh, almost just, to me, like, distractingly good. I was just, like, really enjoying it to the point where I'd have to, like, I'd have to stop and go back. Excellent. To actually, like, listen to the song in, like, a more intellectual way mm-hmm. to write down things. Yeah, and I think that's, I, I, I like the stuff that has, like, re-listenability that you don't feel like you necessarily got mm-hmm. everything the first time through. Normally in my process, if I finished, if I quote-unquote finished something, I would then walk away from it from at, for at least one week, if not two mm-hmm. weeks, not listen to it at all. And then come back and go, okay, what about this? What's, what am I, you know, my ears were mush when I finished this. So it's like, you can't really make a lot of value judgments on the sound, on the process, on like the, the mix when you're doing it so quickly. But, but given the short time frame, I feel pretty good about it. I listened to it again today. It's been about a, a week or oh, yeah, a little mm-hmm. over a week since I, since I turned it in. And there wasn't too much that I was like, oh, I could, I could really go in and tweak that or anything mm, like good, that. Yeah. So, for me, that's a, for me, that's mission accomplished, I think. <laughs> oh, uh, something I meant to say earlier, too. You, I think, so far have been the only guest to turn in an album that was almost up to the threshold of the 20-minute limit, which is, you know, <laughs> technically not, um, you know, no one would get rejected if it was like five seconds over. But I realized today that I was looking at it, I was like, it's 19 minutes and 59 <laughs> seconds. It's like, oh wow, like yep. right in there. I did, I did shorten a couple things to get it into twenty minutes. I'll be honest. Yeah, I thought that was a nice touch. It was just like, just there. Like I said at the beginning, I fill the time. I fill the time I'm given. So if I have a week, I have a week. If I have twenty minutes, I have twenty minutes. Um, uh, Joshua, how can people find more of your stuff? I, I know you're in a bunch of projects, so please feel uh, free to list them all out and also current moods which is the your podcast right oh sure my web address is joshuawentz.com and so you can get pretty much get to everything from there but also if you're if you're straight to bandcamp you can go to joshuawentz.bandcamp.com and i have a lot of stuff there for you my other projects are i I mentioned jessica before jessica risker under her name we put out an album a couple years ago we're working on some new stuff now it's really great folk music with with some electronic elements. And then I have a kind of more electronic heavy project with my friend Kristen, who's an opera singer uh, called Brash Flare, which you can find, again, a link on my website. Current Moods is a podcast that currently is like live improvised recordings, uh, usually like a half hour to an hour long that I typically do live. I, I'll do it on Instagram and then I'll make it into a podcast later. It started from a time when I was about seven months. I didn't have a job because I was about to go on tour. So I stopped working and I spent all my time basically creating a half hour of music every day. Mm. And so that became the podcast. So I would just kind of sit down, come up with a half hour, and then that was the episode. So there's the backlog of that is like lots of stuff like that. Whereas the new stuff is more live improv, improv that I do. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, right on. And I, I try to mix it up in terms of what instruments I play, but uh, usually I'll have a like Electribe, a sampler or something out there and, and do some stuff like that. Uh, what, uh, what day or what night uh, does that come out? I've usually been doing it on Sunday morning, like, you know, kind of brunch time. But I usually will post, if, if you go to my Instagram, which is just Joshua underscore W underscore Wentz, I usually will post a couple of days ahead of time when the next one's going to be. So people can tune mm-hmm. in live if they want on Instagram. Otherwise just subscribe to the podcast and get it when it shows up. 
Cool. I guess we're at the end of the uh, the podcast episode now. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed I enjoyed doing it. And I enjoyed talking about it. It was great. Good. <laughs> All right, get some sleep. All right. Yeah. All right. All right talk to you later. All right, talk to you later. Bye. All right. Thanks for listening to another episode of Weekly EP. Once again, my name is Cody Swanson. Someone please, please make this Waffle House podcast or go around and interview all the people at Waffle House and record some soundscapes and then send me the files and I'll do it. I don't have the time to do it, but I will make it happen. I'm very serious about this. Anyway, I hope that you guys enjoyed this interview. I know uh, it got a little silly, but... I think we had such a good time that I am not going to apologize for that. You can check out more of Joshua's music at joshuawentz.com. That's J-O-S-H-U-A-W-E-N-T-Z.com. Or on Bandcamp and probably all the other major places as well. I'll put some links in the show notes. If you enjoy this podcast, please tell just one friend about it. And don't forget to subscribe or follow and give us a five-star rating. I know it's kind of silly, but it really helps a lot. Come say hi on Instagram as well, where I will regularly post images of the guests and their instruments that they use to make their weekly EP. And you can find all the episodes and more on our website, weeklyep.com. And lastly, if you or someone that you know would like to do your own weekly EP, Please get in touch. We would love to hear from you.